listeners, you're listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Nightmare Junkhead! With Genius McGee and Greg D. I'm G. Saul Guerrero from Lucha Gore Productions. Gore is love, baby. In and out of your consciousness, like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that knows a good haunting comes not from the scares you make, but from the spaces in between the scares. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, uh, we're closing out our hand-drawn journey by uh, pondering our very existence with 2007's Fears of the Dark. And whether you've uh, read any Kafka or not, you can listen to our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your noir at blanc hole. We don't want any kind of trouble, no matter what language they are, genius. Right. <laughs> you can find us not causing trouble out on the social media. Uh, we're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk. And both, both Blue Sky and Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. But it is only on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and en français shenanigans. And as this episode is going to be releasing on Friday, January 26th, uh, if you find yourself in the Kansas City area, head on over to Screenland.com where they will have your um, sophisticated shenanigans taken care of indoors. And that is it for now. But better yet, head on over to the Friday Night Fright tab, and the Friday this episode is releasing Genius McGee. Yes! One that centers on dream logic, uh, a movie that took uh, many years, actually, to finish and make, mm -hmm. and thankfully, Don Coscarelli did, because... How else are we going to see an ice cream man and a young boy battle an old man and his balls? Yeah, just for the first time. For the first time. In this time. case, 1979's... Phantasm. It's so fucking weird and so good. It's a great movie, but it's hard to really say why and put your finger on it and explain it to somebody. Every time you put your finger on it, something, something else gooey happens. Happens, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to put my finger back on that side. I tell you what, my favorite scene in that whole fucking movie is when Tall Man's walking down the street and he just stops and he just breathes in the ice cream. The ice cream. Just, oh, give me some chunky monkey, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, it's I'm your ice cream man. Stop me when I'm passing by, boy. I will also say, <laughs> just in terms of, much like in My Bloody uh, Valentine, when you've got the random harmonica mm -hmm. little duo, same thing here with uh, Hot as Love. Yep. Love that part. Yep. It's what makes it so quirky and gives it the charm. Now then, looking to uh, the first Friday Night Fright of February, mm -hmm. uh, and this is what I'm super excited for. It is getting a 4K Blu-ray release. It is known by many things. Uh, De La Morte, De La More, but it's also better known as... Cemetery Man. I've never seen it on the big screen. Me neither, me neither, and I'm stoked. It's so good. It's so good. I know it's going to confound some people. It still confuses me to this day. Yeah. And if anything, in terms of especially what we just watched, the existential dread that exists... Super existential in the dread. Film, <laughs> on top of... Some other stuff that, and let's just say, a very 
Monica Bellucci-esque presence. Multiple performances. This one. <laughs> Are you going to have the end of Citizen Kane or the beginning of Citizen Kane for the uh, pre-show? Rosebud. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well. That actually was one. I'm, I've am i put together stuff for January and actually for most of February at this point. Uh, but yeah, some of those, they're just... You don't know what to include. Yeah. You want to find, you want to try to make sure it's like of decent quality. Cause a lot of times, if something's not on there and you're like, why didn't he include that? I couldn't find a decent quality. Yeah. That makes quality sense. control is important on that side. But yeah, hopefully we'll see you out there for Cemetery Man. Now, that being said, uh, the other repertory screenings that are happening on the weekend of the 26th. Uh, the Lord of the Rings Extended Edition Marathon. That's like what, nine, ten hours long? I'm going to start about 9.30 in the morning. Coming in about 9.30 at night. I think it actually goes to about 11. Yeah, like, that makes sincerely. sense. Each movie's three fucking hours, dude. Each movie's RRR. I've, I'm trying to think if I've seen the extended editions. I know I caught all of them originally theatrically. Mm-hmm. It was very much a Christmas-esque oh, edition yeah. oh, at yeah. that point. And then I know that I think either TNT or TBS put them on for like a dad for noon where they would go from like nine, nine to, to nine. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So to be able to see them back to back to back up on the big screen, check it out. And I do. Mount Baldy's never seen any of these, has he? He's not with. He likes sword and sandals as opposed to like fantasy. Like if you say there's like elves and shit, like not necessarily he'll turn off, but like. Eh. That's fair though, because they're in two entirely different subsets within the fantasy world. Mm-hmm. I, I, I personally am down with all sorts of elves and fairies and all that stuff. Well, of course, come on now. We know that's scratching a particular itch of yours. Uh, now that being said, closing out the Kubrick series this month is one that's an I've seen that for me. Same. Uh, it's one that also just the fact that Ryan O'Neill recently passed away. Uh, this is your chance to check out uh, Barry Lyndon. I only it's, know a little bit of it. I know it like it's spoilers. It ends with a duel or something. That's just that's, I know that's it, all I know of it. That's what I know of it as well. I'm actually going to probably check this one out just because, especially for Kubrick. <laughs> and don't think for a second. All of that will not be sitting right? with me. Now I'm picturing just like it's, a bunch of different Kubrick movies done in that like period of time. Oh, I don't know, but I've been told. Eskimo right there over there fucking doing that <laughs> full metal jacket, <laughs> full metal snuff tin. Right? You know, and just like going around. <laughs> let, let me see your war face. Ooh, yes. Right? And just, now I'm just going to picture fops in the army. <laughs> I can't open the carriage door, Hal. You know, just all these different... (laughs) How about a little bit of ultraviolence? And just walk... Instead of the drugs, they're all dressed up in the old-timey Fops costume. And then what pushes in the other one? (laughs) In the river. (laughs) Just buckles and knickers abound. Just (laughs) Again, folks, I'm not encouraging him. I am actually just letting it just soak it all in. Because at a certain point, I'm like, okay, I got to stop it up. But then I'm like, well, that's funny. That's funny. I, I, I would actually, I'd, I'd see that. Now, I'd now that. I, I just ruined everybody's Barry Lyndon experience because now. <laughs> wish, I wish we'd record these a little bit closer. <laughs> or maybe at this point, since it is a long time. Hopefully, away, it'll be out of I'll there. Forget, forget about, about, it. about it. No, the worst part is it's going to hit me in the middle. I'll be enjoying the movie, and something, some image is going to trigger that. Right? Or, or I'm going to forget about it. Like, what are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm going to go see Barry Lyndon. I'm like, oh. Like, God damn it, it's here back again. <laughs> I think we started this whole thing talking about the Danny Torrance, that 
<laughs> right? Look you get. <laughs> it's the same thing for any Kubrick movie at this point that you've either enhanced or possibly ruined. When you reach for the cupcakes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then another one that is playing uh, this weekend, and I, I'm trying to think the last time I saw it, because I saw it in the theater, uh-huh. because number one, Still big into Heather Graham at the time. <laughs> number two, loved me some Steve Martin and some Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. And then number three, walked away going, holy shit, Bowfinger's really That's pretty good. funny. Yeah, very meta, very, like, not necessarily scathing, but it's all about, like, yeah, Hollywood sucks, Hollywood, and this is right? why. Yeah. Well, when was the last time you watched it? Theater. Was it? Okay, and so it's been, it's a, been long a minute. long time. I know it's gotten its fair amount of... I think appreciation over the years because mm-hmm. I know when it played came out, everybody's like, "Oh, that movie was stupid." Or oh, da, da, da. I think they're expecting something yep. more goofy, yep, more and, along the lines of the clumps. And oh yeah, and it's not that at all. No, it's Mm-mm. well. I also I also like to see like a kind of a contemporary Steve Martin getting to lean back into comedy without necessarily having to talk about art history. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I love the man. I love that he has that whole other side. Or playing world. the banjo. Bluegrass, baby. Bluegrass. I do like. He is really, really He's good. Incredible. But like, if I He's... want to see funny, you know, unless you're gonna do something <laughs> funny with the banjo, put it away. Now, another one that I know we both saw in the theater, and uh, this, it, whenever it plays, it plays well. Uh, but we've got the Coen Brothers, The Big Lebowski. Oh yeah, making its way back. Oh yeah, break out your uh, your White Russians, and then the monthly screening for the Anime Club. I'm gonna run this one by you here. Mm-hmm. Osamu, excuse me, Osamu Tezuka's Metropolis. I like that movie, but I haven't seen it since the blockbuster days. Ah, I do remember so it's that long. I do remember it was pretty fucking cool with all dealing with robots and shit, kind of like the Metropolis, Fritz Lang, right. uh-huh, just done anime style. So was this? Oh my god! So was, are we talking like aughts in this yeah, case? So aughts. at least twenty years. At least twenty years. Right. I think I actually still own a VHS copy of. It. I wouldn't be shocked. It might be what that the copy. Blockbuster? Yeah, it might be that <laughs> copy. Yeah, let's. Uh, we hope to see you. Um, I guess. Um, how would you say that? Animating yourself uh, mm-hmm. out with the Screenland film family, but uh, genius. If we're talking film family, hey bellies. We also have our own collection of film family members hanging at Patreon, and regardless of their tier, the Friday this episode was releasing, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be hearing my thoughts on Paul Verhoeven's Flesh and Blood. Ooh, Verhoeven. And sword and sandals in a way. Is that the one with Rutger Hauer? Yes, it is. Cool. And it's got Jennifer Jason Lee. Okay. And I, my baggage, I assumed he's the dashing hero. She's the princess in peril. Uh-huh. Let's see what kind of shenanigans we get into. No. Well, she is a princess in peril. And Hauer is not necessarily our dashing hero. Okay. And it is Verhoeven. And okay. it's 85 Verhoeven. Oh. And it's very Verhoeven. Okay. <laughs> that is to say. Boobs a- and dong plenty. As everybody like, oh, I hope nobody's in the communal showers. And you know. <laughs> There's multiple scenes <laughs> in this movie where I was like, oh. And had the uh-oh moments. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot on my Verhoeven baggage. But at the same time, seeing that I think it was his actual first U.S. film, oh, which is kind of crazy to think about because it leans into the the uh ohs. Oh, so it's got the Verhoeven veneer on it. Oh yes, okay. oh yes, and again, just two years later, he'd give us RoboCop. Yeah, and for me, and again, saw it in the theater way too young. Oh yeah, and this is one of those that has just been on my list of movies to seek out, and it wasn't until I actually watched Blood of Heroes 
aka the salute of the jugger that i was like kind of inspired to finally watch it yeah on top of seeing so many jennifer jason lee movies at this point how's which, that journey how's the jennifer Ju- jennifer journey going oh god damn she can do no wrong for me at this point because <laughs> just every character she has there's always some weird quirk with them and that's why i think i love her so much is she is not afraid to get weird to get menacing and just become the other yeah and cool you know what's also on my list that i haven't hmm. seen yet single white female really yes i like that one i saw in the theater damn it and i i know of the the high heel scene uh-huh. i know of the uh the new um exchange and then i saw happens. it and then i saw it again on showtime really but it's been since showtime since showtime days yeah. it's it's been a never for me it's gonna be cool, end up cool. on this very feed dig it so to have access to that and so much more in in flesh and bone in since it's in medieval bone. time is there is that what it's called oh flesh, flesh and blood. blood in flesh and blood technically it is kind of flesh and bone in a lot yeah, of flesh ways flesh and bony no but uh is there like a like a punch and judy show where there's somebody that says i shall purchase that for a shilling not quite although no you could always use a punching Judy scene, right? Especially in those that when it's period appropriate. Every Verhoeven, I'm waiting for that. I buy that for a dollar guy. <laughs> well, to get to access to that and so much more, head on over to Patreon.com/slash Nightmare Junkhead, where our month of loaded content continues. Mm-hmm. And speaking a month of loaded content, man, this hand-drawn journey that mm-hmm. we've gone on, and again, I give you all the credit because this is one that you've been definitely wanting to do for quite some time. It's been wonderful because it's taken us at this point all around the world. All around the world, yeah. We started in Canada with heavy metal with a movie that we both knew. Mm-hmm. We were both familiar with. Again, naughty nostalgia. Right. As we mentioned. <laughs> Something. It's not dirty, ain't it? <laughs> we then veered into two films where one of us had seen it mm-hmm. and one of us was an experiencing it for the first time. Yes. And experiences are the correct word. Uh, well, when you the go to correct- Japan. <laughs> right. The experience I know, at least I had with Perfect Blue was one of those where the hyperbole was met, mm-hmm. which was nice, and again, a welcome yeah. viewing for you as well, oh, yeah. going back to it. It was a good one. Then going back to the U.S., here with Spine of Night. Which was a great throwback to heavy metal. There's, the, there's a lot of deja vu, some familiarity there. That was a first-time viewing for, me, for you and one I was familiar with. And then we wanted to make sure that we closed out with one that we were both going to be watching for the first time mm-hmm. which technically opens it up because again a lot well and kind of like with shitty shocktober and kaijun um there we could do multiple yeah, months there's a lot that's that still out there as there, we discovered yeah there's so much that we're like oh well let's do and there's someone like well it's definitely we want to end with something neither of us have seen and that we thought it would kind of narrow it down a little <laughs> no, bit <laughs> well but, we and we kept the list kept growing, and at a certain point, though, it just became like for accessibility. Right. That was our final criteria, is what's the most accessible? And then we still had a lot of options. Which, oh, we do live in a great day and age, mm-hmm. where there is so much material and so much ease of access to it, because this is the kind of medium that back in the day was hard to find. Yeah. You had to know someone to probably get you to that person that could get you to the VHS back or in the only day. had heavy metal or only had heavy yeah we've got four titles here right. heavy metal heavy metal heavy metal and heavy, heavy metal. metal we might have Fritz the cat but <laughs> but there yeah there was I mean because outside of Japan back in the day if you said cartoon or animation mm-hmm. you'd instantly think of Disney and it wasn't until things like heavy metal that says no it's for adults but still it still has a Stigma around it because when you say adult animation nowadays, almost people instantaneously go to anime. 
Sure. Which makes sense. It does make sense. But at the same time, you are missing a lot of like as many as many uh, flavors as there are. That's how many there are in animation and so many different styles and so many different things uh, different on the same theme. You could have a comedic. You could mm-hmm. have it. You could have it serious. You could have it computer animated. You could have it hand drawn. You could have it pencils, colors, black and white, as we see. And that's the great thing. A good story is a good story, no matter what the format. As long as the story being told is being told, cor- not correctly, but with reverence, yeah, yes. efficiently. That's yeah. a great word. Well, and as we and I mentioned that because there's a couple times through our viewing today that where I know you were definitely satisfied, but you were like, wait. Because you were maybe wanting or expecting little a little bit, bit, little more. bit more, a little bit more. Well, yeah. it's great though because I know neither of us had heard of this movie, mm-hmm. which means nothing in the long run. Right? No, no. The no. fact that there's just so much out there that we're people discovering. think that we're some sort of like horror gurus. We don't know shit. That's just it. <laughs> the, <laughs> the first step to being a good horror guru is admitting yeah, you don't know shit. We don't know shit. There's and that, so much out there, and that's just it. And again, we are champions. Of those discoveries, mm-hmm. of actually getting out there and being good explorers. And sometimes that means exploring stuff that's not so good. Yeah. But then occasionally, and I will say this, especially with this one, there's times where because I had no expectations, no previous viewings of it, trailer-wise or Just anything. Just let it wash. Just let it tell the story and then see what's going on after that. Yeah. And I love that kind of movie-going experience, whether it is a new film that is coming out currently or whether it is an older film like this that was came out in 2007. Seven. Yeah. And to even think back into... And we've like gone from... 15 years late to the game on this one. Well, I don't know if... Even in 2007, I probably would have appreciated this, I think, just for the artistry alone. Right. And even then... I would have no. I would have totally dug this because I was. Cause we're still in, we're fresh. in our horror though, because we would still. Because well, now it wasn't until about yeah, 2013 that we, we really started, started getting yeah, into horror. I was yeah. just really then still reeling off of coming off of a lot of philosophy. I was. Oh, um, this would have scratched all kinds of itches. Just it. I guarantee. I would have gone ah. There's a little Sarte, and there's a little of the bourgeoisie, and there's a little bit of Voltaire, and there's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's the best possible world for me at that time. But now seeing it with my baggage and just everything, especially everything we've already taken in this month, mm-hmm. I think we've seen a variety of really innovative ways to animate. Yeah. Be it through the old school rotoscoping, through just the anime style, style. of Handa, and then we were in this computer world, but it's not computer it's animated. Not, no, but it's it's computer assisted. Right. And that's what I like. Yeah. We, we often mention we're not against CGI. At all. It's But make it part of the tool belt. Instead and not, of a tool the, in the tool belt, but not the tool belt itself. Exactly, exactly. And that's what I, you can tell they did that with this one. And this is an anthology style animated French film. Mm-hmm. And going back to France. Going baggage, I was expecting, I oh shit, this is going to be brutal. And- there was some brutal shit in this. Not not as brutal as say uh, Spine of Night. Oh no no no! But definitely the themes and the tones. Yeah. This very much is checking off a lot of the stuff that we've had so far with our adult animation, in terms of adult themes. Mm-hmm. I definitely check. There's definitely some nudity in this one. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some, some hardcore violence. Yep. Well, There's some, some gore. gore. Mm-hmm. So it hits basically all the criteria that we looked at for an adult animated movie. Right. But it does add, 
I'm not going to say a level of sophistication. It adds a level of French. Watch out. This movie's Frenchified. <laughs> it does add it does add that French of, um, aesthetic and that their own sensibilities. Because when I say French, when I think of a French film, there's two camps. And sometimes those camps can be a Venn diagram. Is artsy-fartsy, merchant ivory, mm-hmm. ooh, you know, very mm-hmm. highfalutin for a roundabout term. Or gritty Gordon and 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 French extreme, yep. and even sometimes in the French extreme, as we saw in like Inside and Levide, they can be super artistic and very heady and thought provoking, and like has that air of like sophistication, like you would say, but also fucking violent and brutal, you know. So like, there's sometimes where that Venn diagram is the sweet spot, mm-hmm. and that's what I love finding about in French cinema and actually all around the world because. I was. I don't want to say that I'm cultured. I'm nowhere near as cultured. More like cultured as in like cottage cheese. But upon doing the show, I mean, going to uh, movies, seeing movies from Indonesia, seeing movies from mm-hmm. France, seeing movies from China, seeing their interpretations of horror, it's fascinating. And to see their sensibility into French animation. You just have to be open to the experience. Yes. And if anything, I think the podcast has made us more malleable to these experiences mm-hmm. rather than just being completely shut off and like I don't want to watch that and I think this month especially has been kind of a fortune uh, for me at least because this is like I, I said from the beginning this whole world is is daunting for me so when we get surprises like this and especially there's some familiarity in here I was actually familiar with a couple of the the directors yeah in this case which was really nice and it was through their styles that everything became a kind of not just like aha, uh-huh, but I've like read that possible. Yeah, or at but least this I know has that. definitely. This seems like this. This seems like that. And you're like, uh, like when you're watching Satanic Hispanics, and you're like, this is Rugnas. Yep. This is Guerreros. Yep. And this I can tell already. Yeah. Well, the, I, I think having no baggage helped, and then some of the familiarity with some of the writers here. Um, the one that at least the name that I was familiar with is with Charles Burns. Mm-hmm. Now, Charles Burns is the one that did the bed bug sequence. Mm-hmm. His work, uh, he did a graphic novel called Black Hole, which I was familiar with. And if I remember right, it has something to do with like a cosmic STD that's going around Sounds these about teens. Right. And was very well recognized and received, uh, a lot of critical reception. So I was like, I know. And in the novel is black and white. So it fits perfect and everything you see in this film is black and white except for a few shades of gray and red Mm -hmm. and that was in the the samurai tale but each one definitely has its own kind of distinct style it's don't distinct medium because like one was pencils one was charcoal Charcoal. one was like ink and like and all of it was just stunningly beautiful that's the other thing stunningly beautiful there's so much imagery throughout this movie simplistic but yet detailed and vibrant and like like when we were talking about earlier uh how uh mad max shiny and chrome mm-hmm. makes it a whole different movie when you yeah yeah, yeah well i think there were there's several points where both of us we would just look at each other and go like this is we'd go number one we go this is really good mm, this is really good but then they were just we we're like that's beautiful this is incredible this is cool this is gorgeous <laughs> yeah it's and, and then there was partially fuck oh, that's scary unsettled parts as well but from mm-hmm. the get-go one of the things that drew me in was the music I thought the score on this was phenomenal. Haunting as well. That's just it. Parts of it were scary. It was very engaging. Uh, This was scored by, let's see here, this is uh, Laurent Perez. And this is one of those that I'll probably seek out, but I have a a feeling this is going to be hard to find. (laughs) Good luck. Good luck. Some random, you know, you know, 
French philosophical animated film. From I'm 2007. Sure, you know, here I, you go. Here's the thing, though. In our day and age. It's, it's there. There's it's, probably yeah. a boutique Blu- Blu-ray for this. There's a boutique vinyl for it, which I hope because... I'll definitely be championing this movie. This movie was slick. I was really, really impressed. But like I said, it started with the music. And then we've got, I would say we've got at least four or five segments. And then... There's no really no wraparound per se. So here's what I would say the wraparound would be the philosophical the, the philosophical, musings, The philosophical Rorschach test. The I'm scared of blank. This, uh-huh. And then they go off on it. And... When we were watching it, and I don't know if it is either the Electric Company, if it was Sesame Street. But that's what it felt. But that those particular segments, the way that the mm-hmm. imagery on the screen, and again, it's black and white, it shapes, there's a lot of, so much negative space. Absolutely. And some of it just, some of the segments, that's their bag. That's, that's it. That's what they're going for. Like mm-hmm. everything is the negative space. And then this is basically kind of almost like the negative space in your thoughts mm-hmm. of, anxiety, esteem, and that, that horrible self-talk yeah. that goes through your head. Because she was saying something like, I'm afraid of humans, and I'm mm-hmm. afraid of my contemporaries, and I'm afraid of being like, like because my t- contemporaries make me sick, but I see so much of myself in them that I'm, it's scared, I, that I'm scared that I'm going to hate the poor, I'm going to hate the rich, I'm going to hate myself, and like just these existential fears. Now, like, I'm afraid, no, not like I'm afraid of spiders, or like, I'm afraid of this. No, you know? it's... no, it's like, I'm afraid of becoming a worse human. I'm afraid of, and once she says, I'm afraid of me not mattering. See, I re- I'm afraid of me confronting a racist and telling him how terrible he is, and just him looking right through me and not, in the, not getting the message. And so she's saying all these... St- horrible things we're like damn new fear unlocked okay cool <laughs> you know I'm like, all right i didn't think of that that's one of those things of 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 actually having value and worth to yourself and having something matter to you and having being able to matter to someone else yeah these are things that push us and drive us and it's when we don't have that when we're terrifying. afraid yeah exactly and then she was hitting all these different things and i'm like None, not all of them I can relate to, you know, but some of them like, I could see where that would be very existentially scary, mm-hmm. you know? So like even opening the gate out the gate with like, hey, here's some existential dread and here's Stephen King approved shit. Holy shit. Okay. So that one. and <laughs> right that out, Right at the fucking gate. And we see it throughout. So I almost felt, I thought it was, it was a wrap the wrap around. around because as he was going, he had to start out with a, a so number of dogs. You've, and got then, this, you've got this guy with these dogs, these wolves, these vicious, rabid, rabid dogs. And he lets them loose. One at a time. And the first kid we see, I thought for a second, though, with the way the kid was drawn, and this is where the 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 way the animation, it almost looks like sinewy in a way that it's textured. Because it was the pencil. Yeah. Because it, it was everything. And because later on, you see Jim's, the, there's just the movement. It reminded me of more um, sophisticated Bill Plimpton cartoons. I can see that. Where the hand drawing was a little bit of shaky, but mm-hmm. then it's it's so detailed. Like the dancing part. Yeah. My goodness. That well, was gorgeous. But we do indeed start off with a kid that I thought the way his eyes looked, because they were pure black. Mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe. He was going to kill the dogs. Exactly. We were going to get some sort of subversion. But we get the dog, we get a scream, and then we cut to black, and we both look at it. There's like, did they just kill? Because then we hear another kid scream, like, like, and they're like, oh, that kid just got eaten by a dog. Okay, d- d- are we doing Stephen King approved from the from get the start, go from the fucking jump? Which, <laughs> I'm like, well, 
Ladies and gentlemen, French. Holy shit. And again, the way. So philosophy and hardcore violence, that actually checked off both of my what I, my baggage for a French movie is right off the gate. Life is senseless, man. You, It's finding meaning in a world of chaos. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to do <laughs> when you see such chaos going on around you. But yeah, you we go back to him time and time again. But he's got one less usually dog because he's let it loose. To and kill somebody. The we get him taking it out on the so dancer. He kills a kid. Kills the first kid. Thing, then he kills um a group of he kills one guy and a group of men. That's right. And they're gonna do something. They're because they had weapons. Yes, they were they had because they were working farmers. And he just looks at them and starts yelling at them like, okay, no, this is too bad. And they just let their friend die. Oh, it's gruesome. Yeah, it is. It is gruesome. And then we get the dancer, which was even more gruesome. Well, there's. You find yourself like what? Number one, what would I do? Number two, you are just so defenseless and helpless. But you, the thing about it is, you're defensive and helpless, and you're gasping, and you're shocked of all this gore. Meanwhile, you're not seeing any mm, of it. Mm. None of it is on screen. It's all theater of the mind. But he's just like, "Fuck! This is <laughs> terrifying." And it's not until later on the dog part does it get extremely graphic. And when it gets graphic, you're like, oh, "Good." That's. That's good. It, the, the comeuppance that happens, and I love the bit where the dog is actually looking in the mirror. What have I become? <laughs> what have I become? What what has this man turned me into? It reminded me of uh, uh, White Dog, White God. Yes, yeah, yes. Uh, I was thinking that as well. Yeah, because he looks and he's like. As we mentioned, no such thing as a bad dog. It's bad owners, and we definitely see that in this one. And holy shiite, <laughs> from a. Was he disemboweled? He's disemboweled, and, and then he had his face ripped off. Then mauled, decapitated by mauling, like like a monkey ripping off the face. Mm-hmm. It was... No, Ben, no. <laughs> and it's one of those you wanted though, because even the way that guy was drawn, he looked evil. He was just the worst. You needed almost like this manifestation manifestation of evil that has been kind of haunting us throughout. So mm-hmm. when that happened, it was perfect. But. That's what I th- I thought it was going to be the wrap around. Yeah, it nope. Really- just another inner spliced story. And our first official one is the bed bug one, and <laughs> did not go where I thought it was going to go. That's where did you initially think it was going to go? I thought that like I. At first, I was like, okay, he's going to turn into a bug, mm-hmm. or maybe the bug's going to... I thought it was going to be like a praying mantis situation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? But then I then when I was like, okay, I think it's going to be that. Wait, he's they turned him into oh, that's fucked. That's so like because I'm not trying to spoil anything because I really want you guys to watch this because it's oh. it's gorgeous. It's not going to be for everybody. Some people might be not necessarily turned off, be like, Yeah, that's all right. But because there was even parts, and we'll get into it later, where I'm like, Wait, that's it? That's it? That's it? What kind of fucking ending is that to that story, right? Where I was audibly angry, but at the same time, I couldn't help but like succumb to its beauty and grotesqueness at the oh, same time and this is where it definitely goes kind of Kaf- kafka territory very in a lot of ways but any kind of metamorphosis and also you know what it kind of reminded me of speaking of another anthology is uh tales from the dark side but just almost like the inverse of ray don chong mm-hmm. and james remar's relationship mm-hmm. where it actually starts as loving and then once the promise that is it broken, becomes worse yeah but this starts it starts it starts super you you feel for this guy because i thought he was going to maybe be like I want to make her a sample. 
I want to make her one of my specimens. I thought it was going to go Frankenstein-esque. Yeah. That his collection... Because it made a big thing about, I just like to be alone and do my specimens and and observe and learn. And I'm like, okay, well, he's going to be Frankenstein. Yep. Or when the bugs happen, he's going to either he's gonna get be devoured West. by the bugs yeah. or he's going to turn people into bugs. Sure. He's going to be the bug champion. Something. You know, he's going to be the mastermind. But no, he's the one that bef- gets uh, befouled of the bugs. And it's also where you get the first little bit of some of the gross animation in this case and it's that initial wound mm-hmm. that you see because it's not overtly gross but no. it's just what happens and what the cause of it you're just like and how it's Ew. and how it's animated uh-huh the, the the editing throughout this film i thought was phenomenal yeah especially the way they layered a lot of the artwork over each other and they melded into each other i thought was wonderful it was really well done but even like the first initial interaction with this little bug, ding, ding, mm-hmm. you realize... This is an intelligent insect. That is not good. You do not to be, need to be clamping it with your little pincers mm-hmm. and adding it to your board. It's not going to end well. And, and honestly, there's something that stuck with me is, first and foremost, the fact that he takes his cowboy bed to college and listen... I know, and college is where you go to experience things. But she ain't going to get none with a rodeo cowboy bed, unless that's your motif. Unless someone is interested in playing cowboys and Indians with you on said bed, which I'm like, you talk about Voltaire and Candide, the best of all possible worlds. (laughs) There's no way he hit the French lottery with that little bird. I sleep in a race car bed. (laughs) I sleep in a cowboy bed. Do you? No, but... uh, I was thinking all sorts. I didn't know exactly where this was going to go, and that's what I liked about it. Because mm-hmm. like, like, okay, this is he's going to do this. Nope, that's going to do that. Oh, and then I thought like, okay, maybe she's going to do something else. But then like, she got stronger and she started changing, and I was like, uh oh, and started taking more control of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And I, the number of ways I'm gonna you make could... you my bitch drink Ooh! this. I'm like, God damn, that entire sequence to, was from going to beautiful French movies and like enjoying cafes and bistros and shit to like I'm gonna make you my bitch I'm like Jesus Christ sometimes I like the way they think and then sometimes sometimes like, I don't uh, but you do eventually get the reveal of what he is set out to be and it's not happy Mm-mm. no and none, none of these stories in no, well none no. of these stories in pleasantly this is a dour fucking film. And I'm trying to think, like, Heavy Metal kind of at least had a little bit of hope. Tarn wound up being the, the end. Uh, we got rid of the Loch Nar. Right. In Perfect, in Perfect Blue, Blue, she wound up being happy and content by getting is, rid of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spine and Night, uh, the evil was vanquished and the world will bloom again. So, I mean, that was hopeful. Damn. Ain't fucking hopeful in Damn. this. Damn. And we had no idea, mind you. So, this wasn't something that we planned out and like, okay... Let's end with the dower. No, no, this was... But it definitely ends on the dower side. But then we get to story two. And story two was the one that had a lot of familiarity for With me. the samurai ghost? With the samurai ghost. And specifically, some of the monstrous ghosts that you see. Mm-hmm. I Last year, I took in some yokai. I think it's either yokai or yokai Yokai, movies. The yokai warrior yokai. movies? Uh-huh. Yes. The ancient, ancient Japanese archetype ghosts? Yes. Yes. And they are... Weird. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. There's Snake women and shit. An umbrella monster. And then that's when the umbrella thing popped up. I was like, hey. And then, yes. The, he- the headless spirit. The, I, like, uh, I the, know these. The haunted, the haunted lights. Yes. They hit a lot of that. And I was like, wow. Because even the animation on a lot of the scenes looked like you'd see on the uh, traditional Japanese rice paper drawings. Mm-hmm. But just done kind of new old French style. I liked it a lot. But this one also then adds not only the black and white, but this adds some gray. 
mm-hmm. and this is where you see the red. Yeah. And I think this but is only really for a brief flash snippet. Yeah. A snippet. But this is, I think, the only one that actually gives us anything beyond the black and white mm-hmm. in terms of the color. And this one's a weird one, too, because it stops right in the middle of the story. Mm-hmm. Then we get another thing of the dog. And I'm like, okay, so is this another new story? But then it goes right back to the original story. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, well, it's a version of expectations. Let's see where we go. But again, this is the one where I was like, this is, there was two. Out of the five stories that we got, two of them, I'm like, that's not an ending. Mm-hmm. Where's the ending? And so this is one of them. Yeah. But it was good up until then. Well, there's there's the whole aspect of this girl being new to her school, being bullied. Beyond bullied. Like you wouldn't get out. In fact, that little bit of when she says, we're going to tickle you. And they put gonna... ants in her pants. Ah! Ah! Awful. It's 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 horrid it's horrid and yeah. then you get this idea of living and i love the fact that kind of like anyone that moves into the house on elm street like you, li- like you, you live 14, there? 28 there well no no that's not the cemetery oh you live by the samurai ghost house here it is and I, we both love ghost dog way of the samurai <laughs> this is like ghost samurai possibly way of the dogs yeah in this case pretty much that you could see, but we've got and also medical experiments in the middle of everything. That's what was weird. Yeah, is that jar the that that room of jars, and again the collection that you could almost see from the first character of mm-hmm. the film, and you've got everything in ghosts there. and monsters and abnormal. So I'm thinking, okay, she's haunted. Are they going to try and extract the ghost because they had the rest of the samurai mm-hmm. as their? But they're like, this is the only way you're going to get cured. And then it goes back to her reliving this terrible shit that she did while possessed. And you realize that, like, like the narrative of the story is we are trying to get to the point that there is an aftermath where she's done something heinous and yeah, horrible. She, she killed her mom. And so they're trying to figure out why. But they know but they know she's possessed. Which is the weirdest thing. Right. And the fact that it is a full-on possession. Mm-hmm. That this is some evil, possibly an evil samurai. Mm-hmm. We don't get a lot of backstory on that side. But just enough. Just to enough know. to know what's going on and be like, oh, fuck. She's, she's crazy. I hope she kills everybody <laughs> well the the bullies themselves get mixed into play it and it goes the, oh the wolf i just realized it was the dispatching of the dancer mm-hmm. where the wolf goes there yeah and when we're talking about where he is mauling and he literally puts his head up her skirt and then it cuts, cuts. and then you hear and screams and ravages and you're like fuck I mentioned that because that that was the one of the last bits that happened after the second story because I was kind of writing my notes Chronologi- chronologically yeah. and I was like, oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that because then the yokai come back and then you've got the, that, oh, the sequence where the jar opens and and then it's squiddly diddly ink blotty and I'm, yes. and I'm like, oh shit, because you're like, is this going to be squiddly diddly and then all of a sudden there's things that look like squiddly diddly and I'm like, Maybe. And it was all-encompassing Squidly Diddly. It was the negative space Squidly Diddly. And we talked about surprise Squidly Diddly, but that negative space Squidly Diddly. is even more terrifying. You can't get away from it. No. It's always Void Squidly Diddly, no. Void Squidly Diddly, oh no, 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 no. Void Squidly Diddly is not good news. And again, the use of negative space in this movie throughout every segment. Mm -hmm. There is just... Especially the last, the the last, the next one, the net, that where, again, where it's all negative. It, it, there's so much blackness where, like you said, it feels like you're in a void, almost feels like you're in the sunken place mm-hmm. to go back to Jordan Peele and get out, where 
it can that in itself i think can make you feel unnerved yes it's not something we're accustomed to and this is why i think the why we animation is champion because that's something that's hard to do yeah in camera with ones and zeros now i think it's easier easier to do but practical to make it look cool like it look good style that's the thing and oh my god the style on that shit um there is the shot of the broken wing duck that's walking across the screen. Oh, the gator one. And oh, Jesus Christ. We the forgot ga- the, the gator clock, one. The giant monster the, one. The, when the duck, there was the shot when the duck's walking across the screen, but I love the part where it, the duck peers up and because he's in this trap and it's very, very dark, but you just barely see the duck mm-hmm. and you see the black of his eyes mm-hmm. against the moonlight. He, he it's, mixes it's a in there. Beautiful it's, yes. shot. It's every, I can't. See, we'll we'll many keep coming back to it. Shots it's incredible was in this movie. how beautiful this film is. But this is the one with the monster and the crocodile that was the charcoal mm-hmm. aesthetic. And I've had some friends that have designed some stuff to, and just to see the process with charcoal. Again, any of these processes is incredible. But yeah. there's just something too. It looks layered. It has a dirty feel to yeah. it. And this is where there is a scene in this. In this particular segment. The fucking Salem's Lot scene? The Salem's Lot scene. God, that was terrifying. We were both, I think, reacting to it in our own way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes silently, sometimes out loud. But that I, think was, I, said, I think I said, fuck. You did. <laughs> you broke the silence, which <laughs> needed to happen. Because, again, we talked about the negative space, but then there's that... where. There's the blackness there, but there's there's something there. There's so much levels and with the charcoal that you could do, so many layers, you, and the fact that they made it look like this this it, shadow was peering through this sheer curtain, and it looked so haunting and real, and it's just like, oh my god, menacing, but not like I'm coming to kill you. I'm just coming to see you, and it's like fuck. And did you notice that when he saw the friend running away, did you see his tail? Mm-hmm. And. There's something about this giant crocodile being hung up in this church as this reminder of, I guess, the shit that can get out there and, and eat get you. you. Yeah, and because they never seen anything that big. It gave me um, Brotherhood of the Wolf vibes. Yeah. Rogue, maybe. Yeah, where there's something killer beast out mm-hmm. in the French wilderness, and they need the French guy, the big huntsman, to come in. This and one, Mark Dacascos. And Mark Dacascos. This one... This one wasn't scary until the end, but it was just so woeful and dour <laughs> and like again grotesquely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like this was just a, this was one I couldn't stop just thinking of like how gorgeous this particular segment for me it really really stood out until the last one. The last one I was just in awe of it. The entire time. The last one is the one that, like, as you mentioned, really leans into the the negative space. And it's this guy that breaks into this, basically is just this cabin out in the snow Mm -hmm. for survival. And the use of light, be it by matches, the way it is directed. Yes. And it almost looks like a found footage film. Absolutely. It actually reminds... Reminded me a little bit of the Outwaters, because with the Outwaters, there's certain segments where there's just a lot of blackness around, and you're focusing on this little bit that you see, and you're so focused on it that you lose sight of what's all around you, and that's what I love with this, and you you feel that sense of isolation with him, 
the that's, cold, the void, the loneliness, the, the loneliness, the, yes. just the trying oh. to survive, and then the terror of like the unknown. Because little does he know, there's the house of a black widow uh, in the house going around scaring the shit out of him. And that was the, so that we are to assume that was she had a collection mm-hmm. of victims mm-hmm. and previous people that had come. To all them. the men that, was, that had the p- pictures taken out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are oh, all of her victims. Oh my god! And even like. Her walking around in the dress, the way that you can literally just see little bits of outlines of everything. The way they melded her when he's like, oh, shit, there's a face. And they melded it and it just turned into flowers. Yes. And then she's like, oh, shit, there's somebody there. And it just turns into the wallpaper. I'm like, this is well done. Holy shit. This is the one that very much played like a Rorschach. 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 Thank you, test where... I was like, well, that's reminding me of this. That's reminding me of that. I don't know if I should be taking a look at the baggage I'm bringing <laughs> right now, possibly. But this is one of those films I think that could possibly, depending on your mood, move you in such a way. And especially when in between all of these these just sad tales, we have the dog I'm violence. Scared of? And, yeah, things. this is what and I'm terrified. Is, so you don't really get any reprieves. In no. fact. Levity wise, there's no levity at all. I didn't find myself laughing one bit. And the thing about it is, the things that she's afraid of that she's talking about have no correlation to the story. What's on the story? No. And so I'm like, okay, maybe this is the story about the bourgeoisie, or maybe this is a story about empathy. Nope. Ghost story. And it's like, holy shit. But this last one, I wrote down, this is a very effective ghost story because there was parts where I was like, shit. Just kind of like. Looking around behind me, making sure there's no ghosts and shit. You know, just like, damn, this well, is dark. I mean, because you're in a dark house it's and they're neutral. only just literal like like a speck or two of light here and there until like the whole room fills up and then just goes back. Or the things that were done with lights and shadows in this one in particular with was phenomenal. I well, was I couldn't can't stop raving about it. That's just it though, and it's one of those that all of them play into that kind of style. And even uh, there's at a certain point where, like, you know, this is very Persopolis-esque, mm-hmm. and that's appropriate because the person that did Persopolis was yep. one of the contributing. So the directors we have here, we have Christian uh, Blut- Blutch uh-huh. Hinker, Charles Byrne. The Marie Caillou is one of the Persopolis. Is that? Okay, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, Pri de Scudio, Lorenzo Matati, and Richard McGuire. All of these, like I said, they were... All distinct in their own way, mm-hmm. but then they all had that kind of connective sinewy tissue. Yeah, and I don't know. This was just I've since we started Patreon, since we've started the show, the blind experiences have just always been the best for me. Yeah, and I think that's just because of the baggage that is brought on my assumptions. <laughs> French animations, two thousand seven. Okay, right. this is probably what we'll get and. No, it's just entirely something different and new. This one was such a nice surprise. Uh, other thoughts on that one, there, genius? I'm 100 in agreement with you on this one because, like, I'm not, I'm not steeped in a lot of French <laughs> no, animation. No. Japanese, American, Canadian, sure. I, I, I grew up with deep cartoons with Inspector Gadget and all that. So yeah, I'm cool with foreign film, yeah. foreign animation, but. French is a very big blind spot in my animation, and, and I know not all of them are going to be like this, sure, but sure. at the same time, God damn, this is a great one. This is why we have the show, mm-hmm. to explore the outer regions of genre, and this is one of those nice little good surprises yeah. that we get out of a little that. little black and white animated movie yeah. on paper about, about scary things. Well, it's funny. My, my, uh, one of my old roommates, uh, skater buddies, Todd, 
uh, for one of the Kansas fucking city videos they did for the rollerblading things. It was um, beyond, basically all the skaters coming back from the dead. Mm-hmm. And he did these stark black and white drawings and illustrations that were eventually animated by a computer and gave me this hardcore vibe. Do you ever see the footage of me as the priest doing the little service thing? That's from the video and all that. So, yeah. But it gave me that kind of vibe, and that's one of those where it's probably a little bit cheaper because it's black and white. That is one of those things, but it just adds not that level of sophistication or uniqueness. Yeah, yeah. It adds style. Yeah. A lot of movies nowadays, especially when you're thinking of like overseas film, there can be a lot of style over substance. And some of the... I know, uh, not spoilers, but we'll be talking about maybe maybe talking about it a bit later. But like, uh, uh, "Girl Walks Home Alone at Midnight" was a black and white movie. Mm-hmm. That when I first saw it, I thought it was nothing but style over substance. And it wasn't until like later, I'm like, "Oh goddamn, oh, this is a proper good." Well, I think the best way to describe this animation style, and why we didn't talk about it before, Sin City. Yes. Frank Miller doing very much that style. Yeah. Now, granted, Frank Miller's kind of a garbage person, but right. still a good artist. But different ways too, because mm-hmm. Frank Miller has very distinct one, but this. So unique, and like each one, you could definitely tell. Okay, this is that story. Yeah. This is this story. I really, really enjoyed this well, one. Well, I know the ones you you had a little bit of beef, and that was just the needing more. Yeah, the ending, even like the last one where the, where it just says fiend. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. There's like we're missing another chapter of this story. Well, and again, had we not ended with a fiend, I would have been upset. Yeah, because it's French. You need a fiend. It don't, what is it? Uh, don't worry about me. I'm already dead. Yeah. Don't cry. Don't cry. Fiend. Yeah. Don't cry for me. I'm already dead. And Fiend in like the big fancy font. And you've even for a second, you're like, wait, you needed that ending. That right. Just something to give you a little bit of closure. Yeah. Just a little bit of closure. But then it ends. It ends with, uh, I'm afraid of this. Oh, yeah. Again, we go back into that and done. Mm. Like, oh. Okay. Uh, we'll that say was though, The ending of the haunting, what we did get a laugh because he's yelling at those two girls on the outside and they just tore ass they away. Tear out, like, yep. yep Lottie. Lottie. <laughs> so take it back. We got a laugh at the very end, which I think we needed mm-hmm. at that point. So uh, final thoughts there on Fears of the uh, Dark. Genius? Fears of the Dark. Let's see. Intelligent bed bugs, samurai <laughs> ghosts, uh, Crocodile Hunter, and the Hen the Box. I liked it. It's good. This is I good. liked so, it. The last one was really good. A good suggestion, my friend. And I, ideally, this month has been, there's been a lot of value in it, mm-hmm. especially at least first time viewings for me with Perfect Blue in this. And I'd like to think then just going back to this world and realize that ideally down the line, we'll probably end up doing another month. Yeah, like this. there's more to be seen. Definitely more to be seen. Now, that being said, here in the month of February, we are going to be kind of taking the month off. In a roundabout way, yes and no. <laughs> so we are preparing for this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament. Uh, but for the month of February on the main feed, uh, we're going to be giving you all access, cracking open the Patreon vault, mm-hmm. giving you a taste of all of our tiers, uh, T-I-E-R-S, well, in this case, occasionally the T-E-A-R-S. Yeah, depending on the movie. Uh, but uh, a lot of good stuff, so I uh, hope you will be joining us. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius Mickey. And we'll see you in your dreams.